أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا يحب الله الجهر بالسوء من القول إلا من ظلم وكان الله سميعا عليما إن تبدو خيرا أو تخفوه أو تعفو عن سوء فإن الله كان عفوا قديرا إن الذين يكفرون بالله ورسله ويريدون أن يفرقوا بين الله ورسله ويقولون نؤمن ببعض ونكفر ببعض ويريدون أن يتخذوا بين ذلك سبيلا أولئك هم الكافرون حقا وأعتدنا للكافرين عذابا مهينا الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد So dear brothers and dear sisters, dear friends Alhamdulillah we are about to begin the sixth uh, Jews of the Quran لا يحب الله الجهر بالسوء من القول إلا من ظلم And uh, hopefully inshallah uh, you're finding this beneficial Alhamdulillah we've received quite a bit of feedback I'm personally enjoying this because I haven't done this ever before, trying to cover one Jews in an hour, which basically means to look for general themes throughout. Generally, the tafsir I've been used to is to do it bit by bit, verse by verse. When you do it like that, sometimes you kind of miss out on the bigger picture sometimes, which is to actually see common threads together in one Jews or in one surah. So that's why I see this, uh, that as a particular side benefit of doing it in this way. Of course, there's setbacks in every way. There's the pros and cons of each way. But when you only have one hour, what do you do? To read it in detail would be wonderful. But this is just, again, just to give us the glimpses and to get the major themes. So another way to do this would, could have been to just cover a few points from the, from the Jews. Just pick out few different selections. That was something I contemplated doing. But the problem I have with that one, uh, the, the negative aspect of that is that we, we, we don't then even implicitly or uh, just briefly mention the other contents of the Jews. And sometimes that's actually very important to mention that. Because while it may be lost on many listeners and uh, where we just mention it in the passing, but it benefits, it benefits in two ways. One is it benefits those people who have done tafsir before. It benefits those who, because that's like a recap and they, their mind goes to it. And also it benefits those who are, mashallah, lots of scholars, uh, alims and alimas who are listening. It gives them a good review and revision of what they know and it jogs the memory. Uh, I, I would assume that when you have all of these huge scholars that you discuss, uh, that, we, that we hear about and we read about, that they used to finish this many Qur'ans in the month of Ramadan, some of them finishing one a day was quite normal for some of them. And you wonder how they would ponder the meaning if they were reading what we would consider to be fast, because we would have to read it quite fast. You would need a good 
12, 13 hours to be able to complete a Quran, like sustained reading. Uh, you could easily do 15 juz a day. It's very easy, to be honest. That's very, very easy. But my understanding is that the, the way they would read fast and still be conscious to a certain degree, obviously, of the meaning is they knew the meaning so well. So when they're reading, they're literally like, it's like this, you're, you're, on a, you're on a motorway, you're on a highway and you're taking a journey and you're basically just getting a glance of everything as you go along because you know it. Oh, okay, I see that, I see that, that's the stadium, that's this, that's that. And you're just quickly breezing through it all. It's a different experience when you know the background of something and you just, everything is just getting back in your memory. So there are many ways of doing this and uh, there's always going to be the pros and cons of that. So we ask Allah to help us do this in the best way possible. Tomorrow, inshallah, I'll, uh, some people have asked for suggestions of where to do further reading and so on. We mentioned some of the books of Sirah. Uh, yesterday or the day before but we will talk about some of the tafsirs that you could access to get inshallah to continue your journey uh, on inshallah Quran understanding so we finished the fifth juz now the end of the fifth juz as you notice it was a sustained discussion of the munafiqeen because they caused a huge difficulty on the Prophet sallallahu and the Muslims so it was, it was speaking about them and they had, it create, created a lot of dissonance among Muslims as to whether we should follow them or not because they claim to be Muslim, right? But then we see some harm coming from them. So there was all of that difficulty there. So here it starts that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had criticized them quite a bit and condemned them and spoken about them being in hellfire in the munafiqeen of al asfali min al-nar and so on as mentioned in verse 145. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies something. La yuhibbullahu al-jahra bisu. The first verse of the Jews is 148. The first verse of our sixth Jews today, as you can see, is Allah does not like, does not love that you, you voice and loudly articulate the evil of something. Allah doesn't like speaking bad about people unless it's to help with oppression, meaning unless it's to defend against oppression or to basically take care of uh, people who need to be warned against. That's why Allah says that Allah doesn't like this generally, but this is in this place we had to do this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving. And then it continues. After the munafiqeen, now, now this surah, as we'll see through, the, the rest of this surah, the rest of this chapter rather, both in Surah Al-Nisa uh, and then Surah Al-Ma'idah that we will be uh, beginning. Uh, surah Al-Ma'idah, there's a big discussion about the Christians and the Jews and some about the Munafiqeen as well. And there's a lot more discussion and we'll explain some incidents that took place, why, why, why these, dis- the, this, uh, these verses had to be revealed. So after the Munafiqeen, one of the biggest difficulties that the Muslims and the Prophet ﷺ faced at that time were from the, uh, the, the Jewish tribes of Medina Munawwara at the time. And a lot of the time they would actually come together on many issues. The Munafiqeen would come together, the hypocrites would come together with uh, the Bani Israel of the time. Then after that the, the, there's a discussion about the Christians, sustained discussion. In fact, you'll find a lot of discussion here about the Christians and their false belief. Especially the one belief that is being really condemned here is about taking Masih, the Messiah, Isa alayhi salam, to be the God, to be the Son of God. That's a big discussion that will be taking place here. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies right at the beginning in great detail, and this is something that we need to cover because I promised to do this a few Jews ago, right? 
Allah says, يَسْأَلُكَ أَهْلُ الْكِتَابِ أَن تُنَزِّلَ عَلَيْهِمْ كِتَابًا مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ That's verse 153. Right? The people of the book, they're saying that they're, they're asking you that you reveal, uh, you, you bring about a book from, from the heavens. They asked Musa السلام, for something bigger than that, something graver than that. They asked Musa السلام, that let us see Allah openly, let us see Allah for ourselves directly. So, فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ بِظُلْمِهِمْ Because of their oppression, uh, they were struck. Then after that, they, they, even though clear signs came to them, they took the calf as uh, an object of worship. We still forgave that. Allah is bring, providing a whole history. We raised up the Mount Tur, right, above them, right, as a display for them. We told them then to enter the door uh, in prostration. But they didn't do that. They did it another way. We said, do not be excessive. لا تعدو في السبت. Do not be excessive with regards to Saturdays. And then after that, he mentions فَبِمَا نَقْدِهِمْ مِيثَاقَهُمْ They broke a number of their treaties and covenants. And because of their disbelief in the words, in the, in the, in the verses of Allah, in the ayat of Allah, the signs of Allah, and they're killing prophets without any right. And then they're saying that our hearts are closed and sealed, but Allah has actually sealed them because of their disbelief. That's why very few of them will believe. Now, the interesting part here, They slandered Maryam, they slandered Mary. So that's verse 156. Because of their kufr and their slandering, a huge slander uh, upon Maryam, Mary, and they're saying that we have killed Isa ibn Maryam. Isa, the son of Mary, we've killed him. Now, this is where the Quran is, un, uh, is very clear. The, the Quran doesn't beat around the bush. It doesn't confuse anything. It makes it very clear. And this is what Allah says. You see, because the general belief among Christians is various beliefs, actually, among the various different Christian denominations and sects. The idea was that Jesus was killed on the cross. It was Jesus because he was, he was captured. He was taken he, he died on the cross, he was buried, he came back to life about after three days or so, then he ascended to heaven. They have a bit, many of them have, the, have a belief of the ascension to heaven. And all of those locations, if you go to Jerusalem, uh, Masjid Laksa, etc., you'll see all of this. You know, there's a church of the Holy Sepulchre and so on, and then there's uh, where Isa may have gone from, they say is another, another area, and so on and so forth. Now, the Muslims do not believe that Jesus was killed on the cross at all. He did not die. That is absolutely clear and there's no doubt about that. So what exactly happened to Isa salam? Who died on the cross? Remember, there's somebody who died on the cross because that was witnessed by a huge group of people. You know, that's come down in a quite a continuous, contiguous, transmitted way. So who, who died on the cross? Because it definitely looked like Jesus. People thought it was Jesus. Uh, and that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explaining here. The two reasons that are provided, or the two explanations that are provided, you look at the tafsir of Qurtubi and Ibn Kathir and many others, they will provide this detail, they'll provide detail that there's two stories, there's two possibilities. Um, there's two possibilities. Quran mentions certain things, but in terms of the additional detail, there are two possibilities. One is that a person who died on the cross was actually one of the disciples of Isa a.s., who'd volunteered to be like him, change the garments, and Allah made him appear like Isa a.s., and it was he who faced all of that persecution up there. And Isa a.s. was raised up to the heaven. Another version is that the, 
the, the person who'd come in to capture Isa Islam, to look if Isa Islam was there with his disciples, when he went, he didn't find Isa Islam. When he went back out, he was made to appear like Jesus, peace be upon him. He was grabbed, and he's protesting, obviously, but all criminals protest, right? He looked like he looked the part, and Allah can do whatever He wishes. He was killed up there. That's why in the in in the in the Bible you have uh, when apparently whoever's up there is saying Lima Sabachtani. Right, Elohim, Elohim, Lima Sabachtani. That actually, those words are there. That why do you forsake me? Anyway, Isa Islam was raised up. So now this is what Allah says, and listen to this carefully. It says, and they're saying that we have killed Masih, the son of Mary, uh, the messenger of Allah. They did not kill him. Wama qatalu, wama salabu. They did not uh, crucify him. He's not on that cross at all. Walakin shubbihalahum. The matter is made very confusing for them. The matter was made very ambiguous for them. So clearly that gives you this understanding that they thought it was him, but it's not him. And those who differ with regards to him are in doubt themselves. They don't, do not have certainty anyway. Even if they say that, they do not have certainty. That's why the various different Christian denominations have differences among them. Malahum bihim in ilm. They have no serious knowledge, no certainty, no, no, no true knowledge about this. Illa They're just following con- conjecture. They're just following speculation. There's all estimation in their mind that this is what we think happened because they don't know the reality. And then Allah, as I said, Allah generally doesn't use too many words, right? He mentions so many different things. Says it again. He they definitely did not kill him. Certainly did. Allah raised him up to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the might to do this and he has the wisdom and the power to do this. And then it says, That's several interpretations for that verse, 159, that uh, many of the, those who claim to follow Jesus, peace be upon him, they, before they die, before they breathe their last, they're, seen, they're shown the reality and then they understand the truth. Right? But obviously it's too late. Um, and then it carries on, other condemnations, other reasons of their problem, and because of them consuming usury. When they'd been prohibited, they'd been prohibited from it, and also then consuming the wealth of people unjustly. And we've got a severe punishment for those who disbelieve. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the good people. Those who have the solid knowledge among them, who are firmly grounded knowledge among them, and the believers, they believe in what's been revealed to you and that which was revealed before. So they've updated them. As I said the other day, they've upgraded onto the new religion, the refreshed religion, right? Uh, and that. Uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about a number of the other prophets, saying that there's some prophets we've told you about. There's some prophets we've re- revealed to you about and some we haven't. You don't know all the prophets. There's only about 20-something names of prophets mentioned in the Quran anyway. right? And, uh, and there are many more prophets that we do not know about than probably who we do know about. There's hadith to indicate that there's approximately 120,000 prophets, out of which about 313 or 15 were messengers with new sharia's. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then starts discussing about the Christians. Ya, ya ahl al-kitabi. He addresses them. He says, O oh people of the book, 
do not have extremes in your religion. Do not exaggerate. There's no reason for unnecessary exaggeration taking somebody beyond their position because that's exactly what the Christians had done in terms of up, upgrading Isa Islam to the level of a god. I mean, he's great enough as a prophet. You don't need to make him a deity as such. So that's why it says, وَلَا تَقُولُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْحَقِّ Do not say anything but the truth regarding Allah because uh, and Masih, the son of Mar Maryam, is a messenger of Allah and his word. Do not say it's three. Three one or three, however you want to say it. Intahu, stop. Abandon this. It is better for you. Khayran lakum, which is verse 171. Allah, or rather, Allah is just, there's only one deity. There's only one object of worship. There's only one being. Subhanahu wa yakulna walad. How can he have a child? He's above, transcendent, above having a child. He has everything in the world. Everything belongs to him. Why does he need to have children? And then Allah says, Verse 172. Very interesting. That what is wrong with you guys that you need to put Isa above his status as a servant? Whereas Isa himself has absolutely no problem, no embarrassment being a servant of Allah. Neither any, of the, neither any of the angels. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives some encouragement to the believers and those who believe in general. And then since this is the end of Surah Al-Nisa, uh, after all of that discussion in between, somebody asked me yesterday that if it's Surah Al-Nisa, then how come there's only a bit of a discussion about women in there? That's just the, the theme with most of the big surahs. They only discuss one uh, uh, they, uh, they're named because of one aspect It doesn't have to be discussed throughout So Allah then brings it back to that discussion About not just about women But about women and the whole inheritance issue So that's why this last verse 176 is They ask you for a fatwa right? That, uh, with, with regards to those who die They don't have inheritors And uh, they have just certain inheritors How do you deal with that? We don't want to get into all of that But that's the one where it says that Generally when brothers and sisters are together The brothers will get doubled out of the, uh, of the women And one of the biggest reasons for that Which I'm not discussing inheritance in detail here But one of the biggest reasons for uh, Brothers getting doubled out of uh, sisters Or daughters getting half that of uh, sons Is because generally Men have to spend on the women throughout Father has to spend on the daughter until she's married and the husband then has to spend on the wife after she's married. Women don't have that responsibility. So that's why they end up actually getting a lot more than just through inheritance. Inheritance they get less because men are, have responsibilities uh, uh, upon them. That money is already called out for. So if a man is going to inherit something, well, he's going to have to pay as a father, as a brother maybe even, definitely as a husband and as a father to his children as well. Whereas mothers are not responsible for the wealth aspect or spending aspect. So it balances out. In fact, women actually end up having to spend less in that sense. And men have to do more of the spending in general if you take a survey of that. I don't know if you've ever heard that response, but I find that very, uh, I find that the, uh, very good statistically and every other aspect. And Allah knows best. Now we end the surah and we start the next one, which is the fifth surah of the Quran, starting in the sixth juz, which is called Suratul Ma'idah. Suratul Ma'idah, the word Ma'idah. The word Ma'idah comes from Ma'da. Ma'da means to, 
I mean, it doesn't have a direct, not a very explicit uh, relationship, but mada yamudu generally means to create a bit of a disturbance, a bit of a chaos. Ma'idah, maybe the reason is that a ma'idah is essentially a food spread. Most of the translations you'll see, they'll call it a table spread. Now the thing is that it doesn't have to be a table, it doesn't necessarily have to be, it doesn't have to be raised like this. It doesn't have to be raised. It could be a piece of leather on the ground. Uh, they, some have differentiated between the word ma'idah and khuan. Khuan is when the spread is empty, there's no food on there, like in Ramadan, daytime, right? Uh, iftar time, then it's going to become a ma'idah when you've got the food spread on there. So I guess you're waiting for, right? People are waiting for that, uh, for the ma'idah, the happiness of a ma'idah. So uh, the idea here is that, which we'll be looking at tomorrow in the seventh juz, Right, because this surah continues into the seventh juz, that is the story that's going to be mentioned there. When the people of Isa salam request from him to ask Allah to send them a food spread, like a divine food spread. I mean, I, that sounds like a great idea for, for a divine food spread, but there's certain conditions that we'll be reading about uh, when Isa salam responds to them. So that's a food spread. There are other meanings as well of mada, which I don't want to go into a linguistic aspect. I'd love to, to be honest. In fact, one of my ultimate dreams is one day to do a tafsir of the entire Quran, word for word, linguistically, and from the eloquence and the fasaha, the eloquence and effectiveness aspect. Like really go into a linguistic aspect and explain every word as to why that word is chosen. Because every word of the Quran that's chosen there, the ulama have agreed that there can't be a better word chosen than any word that's chosen there already. So when Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu awfu bil uqood, uqood, you could have other words there, right? You can have other words for awfu. But this choice, the way it fits, its comprehensiveness of meaning, its effectiveness, there can be no better. That is the challenge of the Quran. That is one of its inimitable nature. That is one of the aspects of his inimitable nature, his challenging nature, that nobody be, being able to provide something better than that. I would love to do that one day. May Allah give us a tawfiq and you can pray for us as well, inshaAllah. So there can't be anything better. Also, another thing, they, another thing of the inimitability is that there can't be any better order. So one is the choice of the word, then the, place, the, the placement of it in the verse. Now, if we started that, you know, we couldn't cover more than a page a day on that because that would be in an hour, right? So that's why the Qur'an is an endless ocean of surprises and goodness and beauty and amazement. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that. So now Surah Al-Ma'idah begins. It has, it's a bit shorter than some of the other surahs that may come after. It's only got 120 verses, 16 sections in terms of general themes. It's a Madani Surah, right? It's a Madani Surah, and it's, to be honest, one of the last Surahs to be revealed. According to some orders, it says that it's the 112th Surah to be revealed. So now you can understand that if it's one of the end, it's going to have a lot of rulings. It's going to have a lot of ahkam, and it's going to talk about a lot of the other very relevant things, especially related to the later part of Islam. So clearly, it's revealed after the migration, because it's a Madani Surah. And according to some riwayat, one from Aisha radiallahu anha, that she actually claims in one of the narrations that this was the final surah to be revealed. Not necessarily any agreement on that, I think, but uh, it's definitely one of the final surahs. In another order that I see, it's 112 out of 114 surahs, right? So Allah knows best. 
but there's numerous ahkam of the halal and haram, the lawful and the unlawful that's mentioned in here. And there are also three prominent stories that are mentioned in here, three prominent incidents and accounts that are very important. Also, another very important, I try to point out the important ayat, right? That feature that are generally quoted separately sometimes. This is also the surah that includes the wonderful verse, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا That famous verse of the completion of the faith and the completing of the bounties upon the believers. That is also another verse that's in- included here which you'll see as part of verse 3. In fact, what happened about that verse is that it's such an amazing verse. Can you, and maybe not from our perspective because, I mean, we know the deen is completed. But look at it from the Sahaba's perspective that for 20-something years, they're receiving new commands, right? The deen is in motion. It's evolving as such because there were certain things that were prohibited first then permitted later. Some things were permitted first and prohibited later. So there's a state of flux, right? There's new issues coming up. And then suddenly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals this, that okay, now, today, we've completed your faith. That's it. You've got the package now. Right? Imagine that. You've got the package now. That's going to be amazing. And now you understand this from the following, that this verse was actually revealed in, uh, during the Hajjatul Wada', the farewell, the farewell pilgrimage, uh, the year before the Prophet sallallahu passed away. And when one of the Jews of Medina Munawra heard this, he said to Umar radiallahu anhu that Amir al-Mu'mineen, if this verse, because remember, um, uh, this was actually later on. This didn't happen at the same time. This Jew said to Amir al-Mu'mineen when Umar radiallahu anhu is the khalif now, like uh, after 10 years or so, you know, after 10 or so, 15, uh, 5 to 10 years or so. Um, he said that if this, if this verse was revealed to us, then what we would do is we would make that day an Eid. Because that's a very special verse. That's like you're being told, okay, that's it, it's sealed now. This is it, right? This is the final point that you have. We would make it a day of Eid, a celebration. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he, he, he responded, he said, I know exactly the moment that it was revealed. Forget the time, forget the day. Of, of course, it was the day of Arafah. But he says, I know the moment that it was revealed. It was revealed in the night of Arafah. And it was a day of, it was a Friday. I know exactly the moment it was revealed. And it's actually two Eids for us in that case. Right? It's two Eids for us because we've got the Jumu'ah, we've got the Arafah, and subhanAllah, so we, we have this all the time anyway. Now, if you look at it, this verse, there's a lot of ahkam in here. And the first discussions, anybody who's working in the food industry, they definitely need to read this carefully and look at the tafsir of this. Because... يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُحِلُّوا شَعَائِرَ اللَّهِ وَلَا الشَّهْرَ الْحَرَامِ وَلَا الْهَدِيَةِ وَلَا الْقَلَائِدِ All of those things that the, the, the people of Makkah and others used to just arbitrarily make lawful and unlawful just because of whim, just because of their feeling or whatever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is laying down the laws of hunting, the, the laws of sacrifice, the laws of what's lawful, what's pure, what's unlawful, and what is impure. So that's why... In the first few verses, you'll see that حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about uh, what's prohibited for you is the carrion, that which is not slaughtered in a proper way, that the blood all 
comes out. One of the, one of the benefits of Islamic slaughter is that it pumps out all the blood. Because when you cut the three to four from uh, veins and the trachea, etc., from the throat, it basically, the heart is still pumping, causes majority of the blood to pump out. That's why you get purer meat, as opposed to if you shoot it dead or stun it, uh, stun it into, uh, you know, into death, or whatever the case is. That's one of the reasons. That's why later on you'll see the verse, uh, which is verse 5. Now, this is where it talks about the, the food of uh, the people of the book, particularly, not anybody else. So, uh, Hindu, um, Buddhist, all of that, their food would not be halal for us if they sacrificed, right? If they're slaughtered. But that of Christians and Jews, if they're done properly, technically it's lawful. But they must be done properly. Now, a lot of people think that just because Christians and Jews are doing it anyhow, because, you know, we've got a lot of uh, uh, Jewish community in our area, and they're very particular about what they do, but I'm hard-pressed to find Christians who do it according to the way it's mentioned in the Corinthians. I think it's in the Corinthians, in the Old Testament, right, which is to slaughter it from here. The Jews do it that way, but the Christians, I, I don't know of any community that do it that way. Now, a lot of people, they say Christians and Jewish food is halal in the Quran. It means... You give them a, basically a carte blanche, you know, that you basically give them a, a, a clear ticket that they can store it anyhow and we can eat it. But when it comes to a Muslim, he better sort it properly. So how can you apply those standards? For a Muslim, you're saying, no, it has to be slaughtered properly. Say, Bismillah, etc. When it comes to a Christian or Jew, it doesn't matter. They can just stun it to death, bang it to death, you know, kill it however you want and you can eat it because Allah says, so no, there's reasoning behind it. That's why ulama have shown that while this says it's allowed, it's because they would do it properly. They were in that time doing it properly. That, that's one of the reasons. So yes, if a Christian or Jew is doing the slaughter properly, right, even though they're not the same Jews or Christians as they were before, but they were already believing in uh, uh, blasphemous ideas at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, still Allah said it was allowed for that. The same Quran is telling you that, right? Then technically it's allowed, right? Not a, necessarily a good thing for the industry because Alhamdulillah in England, because they didn't go in that direction, now there's a wonderful halal you know, halal, uh, uh, something that you really can be proud of, halal industry. And many other countries where they didn't, they just thought, okay, they, we got some Jewish meat or Christian meat or whatever, the way they took it, they don't have a halal industry, they're, su they're suffering. And this is, this is the way of the world. I mean, where you create a demand, there's going to be a supply and so on. So that's uh, also another discussion here, which I've already spoken about before, is وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ That obviously chaste, pure women of the believers and chaste, pure women of the people of the book are also allowed for the men of the Muslims, but not the other way around. But as I explained there, it's undesirable and disliked because of many conflicts that can happen, but it was allowed for particular reasons or in particular circumstances. Now, after discussing all of that, Islam is a deen, as we say, of all of these things. Um, that means in your trade, in your purchasing, in your partnerships even, in renting, in your marriage, everything has to be pure. That's Tahara is so important. Tahara is purity. We think of Tahara as a physical purity. Make sure I'm not dirty. Make sure I'm in a clean state. But there's also other clean rituals. Uh, cleaning, clean deals, pure deals, all of that is part of the purity of Islam. That's why now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says from verse 6, Now the physical purity is being spoken about after sp speaking about the purity of deals. And uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about 
washing yourself for wudu. But also mentions that if you don't have wudu, then فَتَيَمَّمُوا صَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا Then use pure soil. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, مَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ In all of this, مَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيَجْعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ in all of this, Allah doesn't want to create difficulty for you. Now, if you're looking at it from the perspective of no belief, totally free, liberal, decadent view of the world, indulgent, do whatever you want, then all of this is difficulty. But if you look at it from the perspective that with anything and everything, there are always laws. Now, the laws of Islam are much easier compared to a lot of the other law systems like that in the world that have laws like that. And they're preserving of a certain aspect that is very important. That's why Allah says that if you look at it from that perspective, we're not trying to create difficulty that, hey, you must find water. Even if it's exorbitantly priced, you must go on, you know, you, want, you must find water. No. Allah, uh, Allah uh, if you don't find water, well, go and find soil. You'll find that anywhere. Or dust. Allah just wants to purify you. And He wants to complete His bounty upon you so that you give thanks. So think about it from that way. Now we definitely need to move on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about in the halal and haram as we discussed already uh, in, in these verses. If you want to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, you want to discuss with him, then you need to be pure. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, that when you go close to Allah to pray, for example, then you need to be praying. You need to be pure. Allahu Akbar. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns to the discussion about the Yahud. Because remember, there was a huge problem that they were dealing with at that time. So all of this was being revealed in the Quran. They would uh, sometimes make these discussions at home in secret. They would have spies among the Muslims, among a group. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would uh, reveal this in the Quran the next day. Allah says in verse 12 وَلَقَدْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ مِيثَاقَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِلُ وَبَعَثْنَا مِنْهُمْ أُثْنَيْ عَشَرَ نَقِيبًا وَقَالَ اللَّهُ إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts talking about all the benefits, all the bounties that Allah gave to them. We've given you so much. In your 12 tribes, we, we promised you, we removed from you your evil, we promi uh, your, 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 your sins, we promised you a paradise under which rivers flow and all the rest of it. But uh, they... Because they kept blaspheming and violating, eventually we made their hearts, hearts hard. Then they started even changing their scriptures from one place to the next. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the Christians, the Nasara, and that goes into depth from you know, verse 16, 17 and onwards. And then their discussions in Verse 18, it's a discussion between them. The Yahud and the Nasara, they're saying, نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهِ وَأَحِبَّاءُ They're claiming to be the children of God and the beloved of God. So then Allah asks them, or says to the Prophet ﷺ to ask them, فَلِمَ يُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذُنُوبِكُمْ Then why is Allah going to punish you then? Right, for your sins. You're just like every other, you know, insan and, uh, and, and creation. Allah can forgive whoever He wants and He can punish whoever he wants. And then in both verses uh, uh, 15 and 19, you've got, O people of the book, قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولُنَا يُبَيِّنُ لَكُمْ Our messengers come to you. This is the upgrade. This is the, the fresh, new, revitalized, corrected idea. Follow him. Follow him. He's come to you to give you warning and to give you glad tidings. 
Then after that, from verse 20, starts the story about Musa salam and his people and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had told them. First, he talks about the, Allah had made them anbiya, prophets. Allah had made them kings and rulers and given to them given to them what he'd not given anybody else. And then he mentions a story about them being told to go into the holy lands. Okay, now go in. But there was this huge, uh, there, there was this category of people that lived there that were like giants, right? The Amalika. And they were scared to go in. So even though Allah is telling them and Musa is telling them that you, can go, you should go in, they refuse. They say, no, there's these big people in there. And finally, when they, they got so frustrated, they said, if you want to go, you go yourself and your prophet. Ya Musa, inna abadan ma damu. As long as they're there, we're not going to go in there. Anta wa rabbuk. You and your Lord, you go there. They're saying that to their prophet. Right? I mean, that's severe. Saying that about your own prophet, it's an attitude problem. Right? Fakatila, and you go, and, you, you go and fight them, and we're just going to sit here. There were two people among them who tried to say, Ban, listen to him. Right? Allah has said so, you go, you should go, and you will be successful. Right? Um, but no, they, they refused to go. So then Allah said, okay, fine, for 40 years, it's prohibited for you. And that's why they had to go around for 40 years. And in that time, Musa Islam passed away. Harun Islam passed away. And finally, I think it was through Yusha bin Nun, Joshua, that they finally entered the Holy Lands. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes back right to the beginning and speaks about from verse, very important verses, verse 27. Now the discussion is about, remind them about the story of the two sons of Adam alayhi salam. Habil and Qabil. Now that's the archetypal story of all the murders of the world, all the aggression of the world, all the hasad and jealousy of the world. It starts off from there, right? To show that insan has this innate built-in faculty where he could go wrong like that. And this story is, subhanAllah, when you read it with some emotion, right? It, it, it definitely is very heart-rending because Qabil, the whole story, I don't want to go into the story, you can read about the story, but it just shows you how even Qabil seems to have felt remorse afterwards that am I as bad as a crow now that I have to, because he didn't know what to do with the body of his brother after he'd killed him, Qabil. So then he sees a crow, a, a, a bird that is digging up the ground to bury a deceased bird. So he says, well, look, now that's where I'm learning, because that was the first murder in the world. Now from that, there is min ajli thalik, because of this earlier story, we prescribed upon the Bani Israel that anybody who kills a nafs, anybody who kills somebody without a right, right, or without, you know, without a right basically because of, um, and not because they were causing uh, corruption in the world or whatever, it is as if they've killed everybody, right? And this is a very important verse that is used quite a lot in our interfaith discussions today, right, which is verse 32. That anybody who kills a single soul is as if he's killed all of humanity because the effect of that is huge. Imagine how many people are going to be troubled and pained and the repercussions and maybe retaliation. And anybody who gives life, anybody who keeps somebody alive, preserves somebody, protects somebody, then it's as if they've protected. So it's a huge benefit to do that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the punishment for murderers, for highwaymen, and the various different punishments are mentioned there in verse 33 and so on. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues the discussion, uh, speaks about a number of uh, other issues here. For example, speaks about the cutting of the hands for those who steal, 
uh, having a few people, uh, it, it, the, the wisdom that's mentioned here is that the, the, of, of this uh, that's mentioned here is that you cut a few people will be think twice, thrice, and four times to do it again, right? As it's happened in certain countries. Obviously, when there's people plotting against you all the time, and there is a constant issue of people uh, raise, uh, of uh, instigating others and plotting. Uh, it causes a lot of disturbance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Ya Yuhar Rasul, in verse 41, Ya Yuhar Rasul, La yahzunka alladheena yusari'oona fil kufri minna alladheena qalu amanna bi'afuahim. Don't let this grieve you. Don't let this grieve you. There's a lot, and then it discuss, the whole discussion there is that they lie a lot to you, right? They tell a lot of untruths, and don't worry about it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will, will deal with this, and be careful of what they say. Now, there were several incidents. Now, as the Muslims grew stronger, the Jewish tribes became weaker. And eventually it was understood that the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was kind of the, the leader of Medina Munawwara. So sometimes the Jews would actually bring their cases to him. Now, of course, they had their own right for their own personal law that was there. They had their own right, but sometimes they would bring it. So there were several instances in which different things happened. So I'll just relate to you one incident that took place. Um, what happened is, the, out, of the two, out of the three tribes, there was, a little, there was issues between two of them, Banu Quraidha and the Banu Nadir. Right? The Banu Nadir and the Banu Quraidha. The Banu Nadir was the bigger tribe, the wealthier tribe, and the Banu uh, Quraidha were the poorer and the kind of more inferior tribe. So now, what happened is, just complete injustice, uh, they they had some agreement that they had to uh, make between them. And what eventually happened is that the Banu Nadir, they compelled the Banu Quraidha to accept some really disadvantaged conditions that were unjust. For example, if a man from the Banu Nadir killed a man from the, 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 the other group, the murderer could not be killed in retaliation. He could, you, know, you could charge a ransom, but you can't kill him. Whereas if somebody from the Banu Quraidha would kill somebody from the Banu Nadir, then he would be subjected to death penalty and a double ransom, like completely unjust. Like there's not even like, hey, let's make it look just. No. And uh, likewise, if a murder victim from the Banu Nadir was a woman, so if a woman of the Banu Nadir got killed, the superior tribe as such, then a man from the Quraidha had to be killed, not just a woman. Because remember, they thought it was half to one. And if the victim was a man then of the Banu Nadir, then two men from the Quraidha had to be killed. So, uh, on one occasion, there was somebody who got killed from their tribe. So they asked for double the money. And Banu Quraidha says, we can't give you, we're not going to give you double the money. They refused to pay. It's unjust, they refused to pay. They were forced into that agreement, but then they refused to pay. Right? So they said, okay, let's put it before the Prophet ﷺ, because they knew that they would get justice from them. But the Banu Nadir were hesitant. Right? Um, but, before, but before they refused outright because they were in a bind, they sent some of the hypocrites, they were friends with them, to go and find out from the Prophet and what the ruling would be. Right? So there's a long story about that, but the point here is then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَكَيْفَ يُحَكِّمُونَكَ Right? Why are they making you? It was later actually discovered that that's the same thing that was mentioned in the Torah. So they'd actually gone against the, 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 the Old Testament, the Torah, and made this agreement in opposition to that, right? When what the Prophet ﷺ was going to say, what the Torah said, was the same. And now all of those rulings are mentioned here. Inna anzalna Torah fiha hudan wa nur. We reveal the Torah, right? And in there was guidance and light. And the Prophets used to use that to, 
to judge with, right? Um, and, and so on. And then Allah says, we wrote to them in the Torah that an-nafsa bin-nafsi. So this is where you get your capital punishment law from, the corporal punishment law from, right? Which is, uh, which Islam has, uh, has confirmed for Muslims as well. So we wrote to them or we prescribed upon them in it, meaning in the Torah, that a life for a life, an eye for an eye, nose for a nose, an ear for an ear, a tooth for a tooth, and also in every wound there's a, there is a ransom. Of course, فَمَنْ تَصَدَّقَ بِهِ Whoever wants to forgive and let it be charity, فَهُوَ كَفَارَةٌ That will be an expiation for him as well. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ And those people who do not judge by what Allah has revealed, then they are from the oppressors. Other verses say they are the kafirs and so on. Again, another verse which I don't want to get into right now, but a verse that is used by extremes, extremists among Muslims to basically denounce leaders of the world and, and allow other people to be uh, so-called allowed to be killed because they say that they're not ruling according to what the Quran says. Now, there's a whole discussion on that, which is not, not for right now. Anyway, the discussion then carries on. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells people that all of this was in the Torah and the Old Testament, but now we've got the wa'anz, uh, so from verse 48, is wa'anzalna ilaykal kitaba bil haqqi. We've revealed now the Quran to you with the truth. It confirms مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ مُهَيْمِنًا عَلَيْهِ فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ Now rule according to what Allah has revealed and so on. And the whole discussion is there. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again says to people, because remember when you've got a clear enemy and there are people among you who are not careful about getting too close to them, making them friends and partners and so on. That's why again the warning in verse 51. O people who believe, do not take them to uh, the Yahud and the Nasara to be close friends. They're friends with one another. Because at that time, that is what it was. Right? It, it was very dangerous to be a friend because they were going to, because remember, they either had spies or they found information through certain munafikin like that or certain well wishers or people like this. That's why. Because in that kind of a situation, anybody who is going to follow that or who's going to make that kind of an association, then they are going to be them, right? They're going to be guilty of the same way. And then Allah speaks about the munafiqeen that you see, then you see the people of uh, those who have sickness in their heart. You know, they're going around causing problems. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about you see, a lot of the munafiqeen, I feel really sorry for them in a sense because like, they were neither here, they, they were neither there. And some of them had a bit of belief, but then after that... So what some of them would do is that they would be with the Muslims, but they would also not denounce the other groups. For example, they'd also stay friendly with the Jews, even though they were by that time sworn enemies, right, in some cases. The benefit, the reason, like Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul, one of the chief munafiqeen, the reason is he wanted to make sure that he's got it both covered. So if the Jews do overcome, or if the other tribes overcome, then at least he's safe. So that's because you don't have yaqeen. The Muslims had yaqeen that we are going to succeed. They had that belief. These people, the Islam had not fully entered their heart. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that... Uh, yeah, you are, that, that, and then many of them would actually just completely apostatize. That's why in verse 54, it's, يَا يُلَّتِينَ مَنْ يَرْتَدَّ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ That, O oh, people 
who believe, those of you who are going to apostatize, uh, apostatize from their faith, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember Allah doesn't need you. You need Allah. And even people today should understand this. Those who are basically kind of half-half and want to change the deen. Uh, you, Allah does not need you. The deen doesn't need you. You need the deen and you'll eventually understand that. Because Allah says that Allah will bring a people who love him and they... Who love him and they, uh, who love him and he loves them, right? And who have these specific characteristics of being compassionate to the believers, right? So people should understand that that you either come into Islam fully or you know you don't mess around like that in between. And then Allah says in verse fifty-five, "Inna If you want a true friend, your true friend is Allah and His Messenger and the people who believe that establish the prayer that give zakat. These are not just Basically, people who claim to be a Muslim or whatever, but don't do anything, right? These are, these are serious people. Make them your friends. Because, وَمَنْ يَتَوَلَّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ Whoever does make Allah and His Messenger their friend and the people who believe, فَإِنَّ حِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ This group of Allah is going to be dominant. Again, there's a discussion about don't make uh, those people uh, friends, etc., who take you... Uh, they basically take you for a ride, they make a mockery of your religion, and so on and so forth. There's no way you can do that. And uh, Allahu Akbar, I mean, how much do we cover? Another thing that uh, what happened during that time that Allah reveals uh, in verse 64, a lot of historical details are mentioned here, right? And they don't have to be the same all the time, but وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ يَدُ اللَّهِ مَغْلُولًا Right? The Yahud at that time, they were suffering. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stopped giving them some of the blessings. So they found a bit of constriction in their life. So then they, they started blaming Allah. They said that Allah is becoming tight now. He's becoming miserly. So Allah says, no, they are stingy. Right? They've, been, uh, they've just been cursed because of what they've done. Allah is open. Allah's, I mean, the wording here is Allah's hands are extended. That they're spread out, meaning He's there for the giving. Right? It's because of evil that we do that sometimes our wealth is taken away from us. And so on, the, the, the discussion continues. Then the Prophet ﷺ is told, Ya Yuhur Rasul, Ballig ma unzila ilayka mir rabbik. Right, O Messenger, convey that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. Wa illam taf'al, if you do not, for whatever reason you feel a constraint or whatever, or you think it may not be politically right at this time, as we've seen in other places, فَمَا بَلَّغْتَ رِسَالَتَ Right, then that means you haven't really conveyed your message. وَاللَّهُ يَعْصِمُكَ مِنَ النَّاسِ And this is the verse. Until this verse was revealed, sometimes there would be people that would stand guard outside the Prophet's door. Right, just they felt that they should protect him. After this verse was revealed, 67, وَاللَّهُ يَعْصِمُكَ مِنَ النَّاسِ Allah will protect you from the people. There was no need for any any human gods. Allah was in Allah kafirin. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the people of the book and saying, Look, just go properly according to what's in the Torah and Injil, and that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. Now, what is that saying that you should follow your 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 books properly? What does that mean? Are you supposed to follow the Quran? The idea here is that if you follow your books properly, there's a discussion in there. There's news in there of the last prophet. So if you do follow your books properly, you'd have to follow the last prophet. You'd have to do that upgrade. 
and then Allah praises those who've done that. Then the final discussion here is again about the Christians, again, and saying that we have taken a covenant with the Bani Israel, we sent their messengers. And then after that, it speaks about the Christians, Masih ibn Maryam, and how they said certain things like, لَقَدْ كَفَرَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَالِثُ ثَلَاثَةً Disbelieved have those who have said that Allah, uh, that Jesus is one of three, is third of the three. وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَّا إِلَٰهُ وَاحِدٍ There's only one Lord. There's only one. There's only one God. وَإِن لَمْ يَنْتَهُوا عَمَّا يَقُولُونَ لَيَمَسَّنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ If they don't stop saying what they're saying, then they're going to have a severe punishment. Those who disbelieve. مَا الْمَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمَ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ the Messiah, son of Maryam, son of Mary, is just a messenger. Many messengers passed before him. His mother was very truthful. Yes, she's the Virgin Mary, right? The Quran is, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically giving them practical suggestions, practical evidences that, look, they would eat food. Subhanallah, his mother and himself, you're saying they're parts of God. He, they would eat food. God doesn't need to eat food. Ya Allah, undur kayfa nubayyiru lahum al-ayad. And Allah is saying to the believer, look how we make this, uh, these signs so clear to them. But they don't get it. They, they still uh, disobey. Say to them that are you worshipping fr uh, uh, aside from Allah, that who has no ability to harm you or benefit you. So this is verse 75, 76. And then again, in 77, it's uh, stop exaggerating, stop going beyond the remit, stop taking Jesus, peace be upon him, above the status that he has. And then the final side, the final few verses from, page, uh, from verse 78 down to 82 is basically providing a, a bit of a, uh, understanding of why the, they have been accursed, why the Bani Israel have been accursed says that those who've disbelieved from the Bani Israel, not all the Bani Israel were like that. They were those who believed and they were fine. But those who did not believe, they've been accursed on the tongue of Dawood right? Their own prophet and Isa, the son of Mary. That's because they would, they would cause these excesses. They would do two things. They would disobey. So all the rulings that came down to them, they would disobey them, many of the rulings. And then they would just go beyond the remit. In everything, that was the two problems. Why is all this mentioned? Is it just to condemn them? No, it's to wake them up. It's to tell them, but above all, I think, it's also to tell the believers that do not go down that path. Because we have hadith to say that all the problems of the nations of the past, like the Christians and the Jews, wherever they went, even if they went into a hole of a rodent or a snake or something, you would follow them the same way, because this is generic human behavior. Generic human failings. Human beings have from throughout history, they have certain weaknesses. That, because that's human. To have jealousy, to have greed, uh, to have uh, radical uh, uh, opinions on certain things, to want to be different, to go against the grain, uh, to be extreme. So if they had it, we have the same, could have the same problems. And that's why we have that. Certain people will do certain crazy things, overboard or too less. Antinomian tendencies, or just ultra super orthodox ideas, right? We've got both of that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something very interesting at the end. 
in verse 82, you will find, you'll find that, uh, to the Prophet he's saying that you'll find that the most severe people in enmity you'll find towards you will be the Yahud and the Mushrikeen, right? Because that, that was the nature of the time. And the closest in love and compassion or affection you will find to those who believe will be those who say that we're, we are Christians. And the reasoning for that, he says, uh, Allah says, is because they have qissisin wa ruhban. This is not to say that they're hermits, this is uh, sanctioning their hermitude, no. It is just to say that because they've got a lot of people who are resigned to worship, they have nothing to do with the dunya. They, don't, they would care less who's ruling and who's not, right? And who's, they just want goodness, right? There's a lot of good people among them. That's why you'll generally feel, uh, find that you will find better people among them. Right? They will be closer to you and more compassionate with you. And I think historically that may have been the case. In many countries you see, unfortunately in India you see what's happening with the mushrikeen, right? the, the Hindus. There's a lot of good among them as well. But unfortunately a lot of them, they just in the last seven years, like in Assam, I just spoke to a Muslim from Assam, a doctor who is actually in, a hospital, in one of the hospitals here, he works here. He said before seven years, we had no problems in Assam between the Hindus and the Muslims. In the last seven years, when somebody wants to create a problem, then it's become so bad in the state of Assam. And that's not just there, it's happening now throughout. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring about some relief. Where people want to be good and they don't provide that sectarian problem, right? whether that be a Muslim or non-Muslim, it's, uh, you know, it's, that's where one of the problems is. Now to complete, just to complete some of our general um, uh, ideas, this was, verse, uh, this was chapter 6. So number one, uh, a lot of the discussion is about the Ahlul Kitab, as we saw, the position of the Christians, the Jews, and the various things that they did with different prophets. A big, big emphasis is not to exaggerate, not to go overboard right, in, 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 your, in your religion. And another one is... Uh, obviously the Suratul Ma'idah, which we haven't read anything about the Ma'idah yet, about the spread of food spread, right? Iftar is still uh, a few hours away. And inshallah tomorrow we'll discuss the food spread of the, the, uh, of the, Bani, uh, of the people of Isa alayhi salam. But Allah says, Awfu bil'uqud. Fulfill your covenants. Fulfill your covenants. That's very important. That's the beginning of the Surah, right? Verse 1. Also, the other thing is that I wasn't able to go through all of this. But in this surah of Surah Al-Ma'idah, there are 18 rulings that I mentioned, 18 commands, right, relating to halal, haram, etc. And what's interesting is that none of them have been abrogated. So as I said, especially those in the food industry and others, or even general Muslims, they should read that and understand that and take that to heart as well. Then, of course, we have the ayah of wudu and tayammum, right, and what causes uh, the impurity and just purity in general. Then another verse was about standing up to witness the truth. And uh, one that I missed out was that there was further discussion about Amr al-Ma'ruf and Nahi al-Munkar. Right? Commanding good and prohibiting evil. The story of Musa alayhi salam telling his people that, look, it's for you now. This land is for you. The blessed land. Just go in and take it. Allah will help you. But even there they refused. And they aggravated Musa alayhi salam until it was then prohibited as a punishment for a while. Discussion of Prohibition rather, warning against causing fasad and corruption in the world, undue killings, and rather the encouragement of maintaining life 
very important verse. And then the discussion about uh, the books being revealed, the Isa alayhi salam, his mother, being human beings, and so on and so forth. And of course, prohibition of taking your enemies uh, uh, to, to be your friends. And there was a hadith that I forgot to mention, uh, which is that the Prophet ﷺ said that among the, among the Bani Israel, they had a lot of the prophets. With regards to actually Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahi anil Munkar. So it's a hadith of Tirmidhi where it says that the, when the Bani Israel became involved in sin, initially their ulama uh, prohibited them and tried to deter them. But then when they did not stop, they kind of just sat with them and joined with them and made it seem like it's not a big deal. This is, this is a very difficult thing for scholars that you're supposed to prohibit people, but you're also supposed to show good akhlaq. And sometimes people are turned off if you turn away from them. So it's a very a huge predicament to follow this properly. But the Bani Israel, they, they just sat with them. What then happened is that their hearts changed as well. And that's why, as the verse I quoted, Dawood, Isa, Ibn Maryam, etc., they, they were accursed. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ, until then he'd been leaning on something when he was explaining this history. Now he sat up straight and he said that by the one, by the one whose, hand, uh, whose hand is my life, your iman cannot be complete. You can't have perfect faith. And you cannot be freed from the punishment of Allah. Right? Until you do also Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahi anil Munkar. So we're told through the fact that the previous nations didn't do it and what came to them. And I know this is not on everybody's radar and people never in their mind think that they're ever going to have to tell anybody off except their own children maybe. Right? But really, it's something we need to think about. Right? It perturbs me that, how can I do it? In the best way, effective way, in the nicest way. And that's the effective way. So people should think about this. And you should, you should be creative in that regard so that we can fulfill this command and keep the balance and keep the punishment away. Because the punishment comes when this does not happen. And we're all going to contribute. Every one of us. Don't think it's just the scholars. They've got a responsibility, but every individual. Scholars can't reach everybody. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to fulfill all of our responsibilities, make us good believers. And alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us again to complete. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and may Allah allow us to continue this journey and, and complete the rest of the Quran as well and more than that. And may Allah protect everybody from the illnesses and may Allah re relieve us from the burdens. وآخر الدعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين ان يدعوا عز وجل السلام عليكم ورحمة الله